trailed for three days. The scouts continued to scan the western horizon. Perhaps the increasing light would aid visibility. Eventually, Varnum pulled out paper and pencil and scribbled a quick note about the discovery, folded it, and handed it to Crookedhorn. In turn, the older Arikara selected Red Star and Bull to carry the message back to camp. As the two saddled up, Crooked Horn pointed to the east, where smoke from the Seven Cavalry's breakfast fires rose some eighty miles away. Varnum could hear the anger in the crows' voices. Did the white officers think the Sioux were blind? But the smoke made the way back easier for Red Star, and he made good time on the twelve-mile trek. He carried the message himself a great honor for the young man, and paid little attention to his companion. Soon Bull lagged far behind on his undersized pony. When Red Star rode into camp a couple of hours later, his tribesman stabbed, met him saying, This is no small thing you have done. As the youth rode by, stabbed turned and called out to the other scouts, waking them. Red Star dismounted, unsaddled, and told Bloody Knife, the half-Sioux, half-Arikara, who was the general's favorite, of the big village to the west. The message delivered, Red Star looked up to see the one they called Son of the Morning Star heading his way along with Frederick Gerard, the interpreter. George Armstrong Custer, it appeared, had found his Indians. Part 1. Approach Chapter 1. The Divine Injunction Again we come to the great law of right. The white race stood upon this undeveloped continent ready and willing to execute the divine injunction, to replenish the earth and subdue it. The Indian races were in the wrongful possession of a continent required by the superior right of the white man. Charles Bryant, History of the Great Massacre by the Sioux Indians 1864. Philip Henry Sheridan, tough, fearless, and tenacious, like the bulldog he resembled, faced a thorny problem in the fall of 1875, several thousand of them actually. A small contingent of Plains Indians, roaming the same lands they had occupied for generations, refused to bow to the manifest destiny of the nation he had so devoutly served for more than twenty years. Sheridan's dilemma was a multifaceted one. From his headquarters in Chicago, he commanded the Division of the Missouri, by far the largest and most problematic military region in the country. It comprised the Great Plains and more, indeed almost half the nation's territory, from the Canadian border to the tip of Texas, from Chicago to the Rockies. That expanse included most of the western states, five territories, a growing number of whites, and approximately 175,000 Indians of many different tribes. Over the past half-century, most of those Indians had been herded onto reservations set aside for their use, both to keep them away from the westering whites and to facilitate the effort to make them, as much as possible, white people. The problems stemming from these relocations were monumental, though they were perceived by most whites as more humane and considerably less expensive than the alternative, war. The U.S. government soon found that it was one thing to assign tribes to reservations and quite another to keep them there. 
especially when the food rations and supplies promised them by treaty were delayed, stolen, inedible, or simply never delivered. What had been presented as a policy designed to prevent bloodshed soon became yet another rationale for it. Sheridan's dilemma was shared by his immediate superior, General of the Army William Tecumseh Sherman, President Ulysses S. Grant, and several high-ranking members of Grant's administration. For years, the two generals had advocated all-out war on the Indians, with Sheridan, who had branded the uncooperative elements of the Plains tribes hostiles, especially single-minded on the subject. But certain legal and moral niceties, which Sheridan found supremely irritating, precluded such belligerence. Grant's infernal peace policy, which stressed humanitarian reforms before military intervention, was one. Treaties made with various Indian tribes were another.